2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. When you get there, say amen. 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 Let's get it. You, you go ahead and go on through it. On three. One, two, three. Go. Amen, amen, amen. In this short time we are together today, I'd like to tag our text today, Motivations of the Resurrection. Motivations of the Resurrection. Let's get in it. Father, we thank you uh, that, the, that the resurrection has a multifaceted impact on our lives and motivates us in so many different ways. And so, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see Jesus, to see him more clearly to see him as the ultimate, as the ultimate of our life, the, the truth, the way, the life in our life so that we can grow deeper and live with a sense of expectancy that what you say is true. Lord, let the words of my mouth, let the meditations that fill my heart, uh, uh, let, let, let them be pleasing in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. Let's be seated. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, motivation can sometimes be lacking in my life, and particularly in the area of wrestling through working out. Uh, I should have got a little bit more amens than that, um, because the struggle is real. Amen. And, um, And so working out can be a beast in the sense of motivation, but harder to me than working out, uh, particularly because I travel sometimes or whatever, eating right. <clears throat> and I don't know why people always think they got to fry something for the preacher, you know. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they, and they, it's always good, and it, 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 it's aromatic and killing me, right? And so I ended up getting something to help me, help me to be more motivated. I got an app on my phone called My Fitness Pal. My Fitness Pal is an app that helps you catalog the amount of weight that you want to lose, and then, ca- and then it automatically says, this is how much you want to eat uh, this, this day. And so sometimes my Fitness Pal will say to you, there's a lot of fat in that, you shouldn't have ate that. <laughs> <coughs> Motivation. But it, it's interesting uh, enough is when you didn't log in and you ate, you, um, you'll find it, my fitness app will pop up on your phone and like, so, did you, uh, you gonna log your lunch or what? You know, it's just like that. And sometimes you try to move around your lunch and, or you do it and try to not put in everything you did, you know, but it's interesting as you begin to put in uh, those uh, numbers and begin to crunch things up and begin to see and get motivated to begin to eat right and do well, and the app will just remind you to say, listen, you've logged in 30 days straight. Keep it another day. Log in before midnight and put all your stuff in. I'm getting motivated. I'm like, dang. Then it's, it's really, really exciting when somebody else follows you and it says, oh, so-and-so has logged in and they, 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 they killed it. They, they, they burnt 1,000 calories today. You're like, wow. You're like, 
to make you go. And so it, 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 it's just motivational um, for me. Well, more motivational than that, as much as that is a motivation to help me, um, the, 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 the resurrection of Christ is the most powerful, a powerful motivation that we could ever have in our life. Paul begins <clears throat> helping us through this pericope to begin to be motivated. Somebody say motivated. Motivated to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he utilizes the principle of the resurrection mainly, yet he does the cross as well because when the resurrection is mentioned, it contains the idea and assumes the idea that the cross has taken place um, because there is a resurrection. And so he's using principles of the resurrection to motivate us to walk in a way that uh, grows us, that walks in a way that reflects God's heart, walk, uh, 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 motivates us in a way that helps us to see the Lord Jesus Christ more clearly. So I got four points and I'm out your way. Four things and I'm out your way, I promise. Um, the first point in motivations of the resurrection, number one, uh, the resurrection motivates us to know our value. The, the, the resurrection motivates us to know that we are valued. Look at the text. It says, he who has prepared us for this thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. It's interesting that it talks about the preparatory work of God in this passage, because as it talks about the preparatory work of God in our passage, it's talking about preparing us to be able to spend eternity with him. Um, that means that he has put an investment into us. What's interesting about him preparing these things for us is the things that he prepared for us didn't depend on us. Yeah. Let me say that again. The, the things that he prepared for us uh, uh, um, um, had nothing to do with us because the Bible says that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the earth. That means that in the mind of God, it was a done deal that he was going to die on the cross and get up from the grave for our sins. Therefore, preparations wasn't made in time. Preparations was made in eternity. Uh, from, from Genesis to Malachi was just trailers of the fact that Jesus Christ was going to the cross, dying and coming back to snatch us up. But what's interesting is there's nothing about you that that motivated God to love you. Amen. See, that we, we, see, many of us uh, uh, want to motivate people to come after us. There is no selfie you can create. There is no gift that you can give. There is no action that you can do to motivate God to love you. God looks at you, sees nothing, and loves you anyway because he looks at himself, not you. So when God prepares these things for you, he's preparing it for you based on a motivation about himself and what he know that he can do for us. There was an uh, orphan in the orphanage um, that nobody wanted. This orphan had a bunch of uh, 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 ringworms in, in the hair and, and teeth messed up and uh, 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 a bad form of acne that was, that was ravaging uh, this child, messed up legs that needed a type of surgery to help the child to begin to be able to have functionality uh, in their legs again. And so whenever people would come to the orphanage to look at children that they wanted to adopt, they always passed over this child because of the way the child looked and the way the child smelled. There was too much work in adopting someone like that. It 
is too much work and investment that will go into adopting someone. They wanted to adopt someone that already had it together, that already had their stuff in order. But this child did not have their life in order. Their life was a plum mess. But a couple came in there one day. And when this couple went into the orphanage, uh, out of all the kids, they zoomed lens on uh, this child and they began to stare at him and stare at this child. And as they began to stare at this child, they felt compassion for the child being in the state that the child was in. And so they took the child in and they adopted him, took them through the proper process. People were like, you sure you want to adopt this child? They was like, yes, why would you have him in an orphanage if you don't want to help them to get placed anywhere? In other words, there was no one around the child that believed that anyone would love the child, would put their affections on the child. But this couple was so uh, 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 enamored with who, what they could do for the child, they brought the child in. And then years and years later, they were at a theme park <coughs> with the child. The child was a little bit older, a teenager. And a social worker happened to be there with their children and looked and was like, wow, wow, how, how are you guys doing? I haven't seen you in years. Where is the child that you had? They was like, right here. <coughs> I said, nah, that can't be the child that was in that orphanage. They said, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Go aside for a second. We don't want you to hear this. Well, what we did was we took the child in and we took them to a hair specialist that could specialize in, 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 in taking care of their hair and taking care of their scalp. We took them to, to the dentist. They got dental surgery, got braces, some stuff that was crooked there in their mouth, got fully straightened out. Their teeth were white, root canals done, everything beautiful in their mouth. Again, straightened their leg, the child's legs up. Did all of these different things as an investment, but it was interesting. None of that was in existence when they went to go get the child. In other words, the person going after them, the couple going after them, already had a vision when they saw the trial of what they can do, but it was nothing that the child could do for them. It was everything that they could do for the child. Whether you know it or not, you're that child. You were in the orphanage of planet Earth, and there was nothing beautiful about you. You were sin sick, dead in your sin, and messed up. And God said to himself, when I get to them, when I change their life, it may not look like anything now, but when I get to them and transform them, they'll be brand spanking new. And there will be people that remembered what you were like that could not believe the work of the Lord because he's only putting in you what he already prepared for you. And so God is the one who, he says, prepared these things for us. He says in the passage next, he says, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee, can be translated down payment. It's not talking about payment for sin, but as an acknowledgement that he's not finished with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's an acknowledgement he's not finished with you. But what this, what this guarantee does is, what it was done is they would heat up wax when they would send letters. They would heat it up and they would heat up the wax and pour it on. They didn't lick envelopes back then. They poured wax on them. And then uh, a leader, a person with an authentication ring would press into the wax, pull it away, and their mark would be left on them. And that mark would be left on them to show that person who receives it or looks at it that it is authentically from this person and there's nothing you can do about changing the impact that this imprint had on them. It reminds me of in the 1980s, you know, we used to wear a lot of polo, we used to wear, uh, we used to wear um, super tams. See, y'all got butters now, we had super tams. 
They came up to the knees, brown Timberlands. Those were the first Jones. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then we had uh, Azar Lacoste, the little, the little, the little drunk. Then we y'all don't know about dragon. They had the dragon with the little dragon flame coming out the mouth. We had Mars Brown sweatsuits, Fila sweatsuits, Gore-Tex joints, right? Boom. We had all types of stuff. We had Paul Brown. We had a whole bunch of stuff. We used to like the rock and wear, right? But anyway, not rock and wear, but rock and wear. So anyway, um, and, so, and so what would happen is, is that when something couldn't fit somebody or the shirt got messed up, like on, on the Azad or the, or the dragon shirt, they would cut around it and put it on another shirt. And, and people would be like, and, and, and you would see it kind of sitting up on it like this. You'd be like, why are your jaw sitting up like that? Because they re-sold it on another shirt. But it was interesting, when you got polo, you couldn't cut polo off because his insignia was stitched in so that you can't remove it from what it's connected to. So that you can know that it was stitched in by the manufacturer. And because this is stitched in by the manufacturer, there is an inseparable relationship between the, the shirt and the logo. Well, the Holy Ghost inside of your life is the logo of God. And because he's the logo of God, nobody can take him out of you, but he's in you as a guarantee stitched into your soul, holding into your soul, holding on to you when you don't want to be held on to, working with you. When you get stretched, he stretches with you. When you get broken, he breaks with you. When you go up, he goes up with you. When you go down, he goes down with you because he's in you as a guarantee that God ain't finished with me yet. I wish I had about 10 people that was just excited by the fact that God is not finished with me yet. That's what the guarantee tells us by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so next point, resurrection motivates us to never give up. <coughs> the resurrection motivates us to never give up. Look at what it says. It says, so we are always of good courage. Wait a minute, Paul. Hold on, wait a minute, Paul. Paul, you just told us that you're, you're, you're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. You, you said you're, you're, per you're perplexed, but not despairing. Struck down, but not destroyed. You mean to tell me that in the midst of all of that, you can take courage. That's confusing to me. In other words, he said, in the midst of all the hellaciousness of my life, I always, because of Christ's work in and through me, still have a sense of encouragement in the midst of discouragement. Listen, God doesn't deliver you from everything, but he will keep you in everything. And deliverance sometimes is just knowing that he's there. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me. He, it's interesting that he says, we're always of good courage. He says, for, he said, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, Paul, you're in the body, away from the Lord. He's saying, here's something interesting. Check, check this out. He's basically saying that there is a sense in which now we will not experience the full presence of God on purpose. On purpose. In other words, there, there, there's no need for heaven and eternity on earth 
if we experience the fullness of God. Now, I don't care how high the service you've been in, how many people was running around, how many people was doing, you know, all of that and carrying on. I know some of y'all want to do that so bad. Um, it's okay. We, we get it together. Um, but, 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 but I'm saying this. It, it, it doesn't matter. That's still not what heaven's going to be like. So what God does is he booby traps us to feel the tension of things not being fixed, yet knowing at the same time that he loves us and is taking care of us. But he doesn't take away the tension of frustration because frustration gives you something to look forward to. Oh, y'all not. In other words, God doesn't fix some things on purpose because if he fixed everything in your life, you would like this life too much. So what he does is he allows there to be this tension on your job, this tension in your marriage, this tension in your singleness, this tension in your relationship, this tension in your body, this tension with your children, this tension with the, he allows tension in everywhere in your life to get your attention. You ought to look at somebody and say, God allows tension to get your attention. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what he does. And so instead of getting frustrated with the tension, you need to learn how to pay attention to him. And so, 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 so he's not going to always fix the dilemma. At the middle of the dilemma is look at me. That, that, that's what God wants you to do. That's why he said, he does propose, you know, I'm in the body, you know, I'm frustrated on one end, but on the other end, I feel good. I'm frustrated and angry on this end, but on the other end, man, I'm excited. Man, sometimes I feel discouraged and depressed on this end, but dang, out of nowhere comes comfort. You know what I'm saying? There's this tension in life that God will not get rid of to make you long for him and want you more. You can pray all you want, it won't go away. You can spend time in the word, you won't go away. You can get in the highest anointed worship service with the best singers and the thickness of the Shekinah presence and it won't go away because let me tell you something sometimes God will allow your time with him to make you more frustrated with the world and want to be with him more <laughs> see it's nothing it's nothing wrong people of God with being frustrated as long as your frustration doesn't lead to bitterness how does your frustration not lead to bitterness? The way your frustration doesn't lead to bitterness, if you allow the word of God to talk to your frustration. If you talk to your frustration, you're going to be frustrated. Because then you go into unknown tongues on earth. And some of y'all don't know what unknown tongues are. We'll just move past that. Some of us went through an unknown tongue on the way when somebody cut us off this morning. Amen. Next point. <laughs> it also, it motivates us, the resurrection, to hold loosely to what we see. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now yeah. This, this, this is that John right here. Man, this is the Johnny John right here, like Pastor Larry would say, Johnny John. I don't know where Pastor Larry got that from. But um, <laughs> we walk by faith not by sight. That is a simple phrase, but the most complex reality in our lives, because everything in our lives is based on looking and making a decision. If you want to get an apartment, you go look at the apartment, make a decision. You even get an, if you're going to buy a house, you get an inspection on the house and make a decision. 
do that, okay? But I'm using this as an illustration. <sighs> Amen. Got to clean it all up. Uh, but, 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 but to walk by faith and not by sight is the disposition of the believer to know that God has the bigger picture even though I don't see all of the picture. Oh, that was good right there. I'm going to say that one more time. God, even though I can't see all of the picture, God sees the bigger picture. Somebody, that word was for somebody today, where you're in something right now and you're just looking at the tunnel vision of your microscopic nearsightedness, but the greatness of the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God is present both in past, present, and future, and outside of time, yet intertwined in time and sees everything actual and potential, and he's calling you to do some things. He's calling you to move in a direction, but you can't go where God wants you to go if you don't allow the bigness of the massivity of his visual cortex to impact your narrowness. Uh, see, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things and the evidence of things not seen. Hope is the visionary picture of an alternative future when God gets to it. That's, that, that's, that's what hope is. Hope, hope is, hope is, it's not here but God showed me what it looked like if things changed. Faith is being, hope is being in the midst of stuff not happening, yet having the divine imagination. Help me today. I felt my help in the Holy Ghost right there. It's having the divine imagination to not allow circumstances to dictate the visionary capacity that God places in you. If you let where you are by design impact where God wants you to be, because God on purpose makes everything look a mess. Help me today, God. God on purpose stacks the odds against your vision. Always. He loves for your vision not to really see clearly because he wants you to learn how to close these eyes and open these eyes. <laughs> see, because if you look, if you place your movement off of everything going around you, you're going to be in the psych ward. If you meditate on every single thing, you better ball. You will, you will be off somewhere, lost in the sauce. But if you learn how to close your eyes and look to the hills from which cometh your help, knowing that your help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, maybe something, just maybe something may happen. Yeah, God, God, God doesn't operate on telling you everything. <laughs> and, and he's not going to take away your fear. Because the only way for your fear to go is to close your eyes. Close them and see what God wants you to see. It reminds me of Indiana Jones. I was looking at Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones was going on this journey. Found a question. He had a book with him. And he got to this huge gorge and it was nothing there. And old buddy on the other side was like, Indiana, no, don't, don't take the plunge. Don't, don't go. Go around. <laughs> go around. He was like, he looking at the book and his boy telling him to go around, take the helicopter or something. But he looked at the book, then looked at the gorge. He looked at the book and saw that somebody stepped out on nothing and made it across. So he looked at the book and the voice, his voice was talking to him and somebody else's voice was talking to him. He said, no, no, don't try it. You look down and you would plunge to your death. 
But Indiana Jones looked enough at the book and he closed his eyes. And he decided to take a step. And as soon as his feet went out on nothing, something appeared. And when it appeared, in other words, sometimes when God calls you to step out on him, he won't let you see what's already in front of you. There's some stuff that ain't going to appear in your life until you step out. Some of y'all are scared. But God is saying to you, it's there, but I'm not going to give you the privilege of x-ray vision to see what's in front of you. Your heart has to be fearful that you'll drop, but your faith must overcome it, and you must step out on faith. But let me tell you this. Guess what? We don't step out on faith. That's, that's not in the Bible. Because if you step out on faith, you're having faith in your belief. You step out on him. And what you're doing is plugging into the soul. That's like selling a plug to plug into itself. There's no power in it. But when you take the plug and plug it in, all of a sudden power happens. Listen, you better learn how to plug in so that power can happen in your life. I'm just trying to help somebody today that you better learn how to walk by faith and not by That's what God motivates you to do. He motivates you. And then it starts getting fun. Start getting, you want to walk by faith? Y'all want to walk by faith? This is crazy. This is crazy. Look how God came through. This is crazy. That's what you do. You high five each other because y'all crazy. Lose your mind for the glory of God. Lose your mind for him. Listen, because stepping out on you ain't been working. You've been stepping out on your parents. You've been stepping out on your cousin. You've been stepping out on what everybody else say except for the Lord. I got to move. Walk by faith, not by sight. And next, the resurrection motivates us to live our lives fully for the Lord. Wow. Wow. He says, he said, yes, you heard it right. We are of good courage. Because I know he was like, Paul, you just told us all you're going through and you got courage. Yes. Courage is the willingness to walk forward in the midst of fear. And he said, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He says, that's what we'd rather be. We'd rather be away from this physical body, <coughs> be at home with the Lord. That's not where we are. So what, that, that's a dilemma, but not a dilemma. The dilemma is the frustration of not being with the Lord. But the dilemma is also an encouragement because he says here, he says, so whether at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Oh, wish I had somebody in here that wants to please the Lord. Now, what's interesting about pleasing the Lord is you can't do it on your own. Uh-oh, 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 Because you thought you was pleasing. Your life ain't pleasing to the Lord. None of ours. We walk in the pleasure with which Christ pleased him with. And that's when we please the Lord. 
Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. This, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. So God was on a, a, this crazy obstacle course, one of them crazy shows where they got the mud and the water all down, and the dude, you know, doing like this, climbing the ropes and using the thing and going, going all up and upper body strength, doing all of that kind of stuff, you know, killing it, right? One of the dudes finished the race. Everybody went crazy. And it was mud spots everywhere from where the guy had, the, the, the guy had went through. He went through, and, and there were spots of where he went. So this other guy went behind him. And he went behind him, and when he went behind him, he just did his own course, and he fell real quickly. So the next guy said, you know what? The guy before him won. I'm just going to look at his mud spots where his hands and his feet already went, and I'm just going to put my foot where his foot was, put my hand where his hand was, because maybe, just maybe, I'll win if I follow the winner. And so he went through there, followed the winner, and he won. And he said, how do you win? He said, all I did was put my hand and my feet where he put his because he already won. Ain't no pride in me. If money's a winner, I'm going to. Some of y'all need to know how to go with the winner. Some of you need to know how to put your hands where Christ has put them because we're supposed to what? Please him. How do you please him? By walking where Christ pleased God already. Oh, let me see if I can make it one last plane. I'll be out your way, I promise. Um, 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 uh, the bulls were in their last little, little dip and, and um, they got in the huddle. Got in the huddle and um, Phil Jackson said, look, I don't want no heroes. Just get the ball to Michael. Did y'all hear me? He said, listen, Dennis, you don't shoot well at all. Get the ball to Michael. Cartwright. Never mind. Um, Paxson, I know you. Not today. Get the ball to Michael. Dennis Rodman holding the ball, trying to get him around. He gets the ball to one dude. The dude give it to Michael. Michael gets the ball. The ball's about to go. He goes like this. He does that thing that he does. He puts his tongue out like that. Uh-huh. And, then, and then he turns and he does the fadeaway John. Do hand with the, is it? He went like this and he stopped. And he said, Squakoki. He went right in. I was like, <laughs> all of us was like, yo, yo. In other words, in other words, in other words, they got it out of their hands into the hand of the one that can take care of everything. Pleasing God is getting stuff out of your hands and put it in your hand. All I want to tell you today before I close is get it in the hands of the Lord. No matter where you are, get it in the hands of the Lord. He can take care of everything in your life, but just get it in the hands of the Lord balcony. If you don't hear me, get it in the hands of the Lord. I, I'm going to be out your way, I promise. <coughs> he says, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ for, so that each one may receive what is due. It's interesting how he goes here. And he says, he wants them to get what is due. So he goes down, and Paul begins to encourage the believers of why they live a life pleasing to the Lord. We must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, 
whether good or evil, there's coming a time where all of us will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every believer will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we have to give an account, not for spending eternity with him as believers. It's great. But enjoying and having aspects of rewards that we're going to throw back at his feet anyway. And the beauty of this passage, family of God, is all I want to tell you in being motivated by the gospel, you know, Christ dying, Christ getting up from the grave again with all power in his hands, that the motivation in your life is the fact that everything has been taken care of. Let me say that again. Everything has been taken care of. As I close, it was a, it was a husband wanted to surprise his, surprise his wife with a trip. And what he did was uh, his wife was getting ready for work, and as she was getting ready for work, he said, babe, we're going on a trip. She says, how in the world are we going on a trip? Do you know I have a meeting at 8.30? I got to go. He says, no, I talk to your boss. You're off for the next week. It's been taken care of. A limousine pulls up outside. She said, I got to pack then. I got to pack then. He says, babe, I got a few little things. We don't need much on this trip, but we're going to go ahead and get some stuff when we get there. In other words, babe, it's been taken care of. Well, I got to get this. And she's just naming all of these things that's working against her going on the trip. And he said, babe, let me just tell you, everything's been so taken care of that I'm, we're going to get in this and I'm going to transport you to paradise. And you and I are going to be in paradise enjoying ourselves together. All I need you to do is get in the car with me. <laughs> you don't have to do nothing. Just hold my hand and let me take you to paradise. All of the stuff that you think is an obstacle for us going to paradise, I have forethought about it because I know you and I've taken care of everything. Let me just explain something to you as I get out your seat and finish my little sermon. All I'm trying to tell you that there's nothing in your life that's an obstacle to you spending eternity with God. Somebody said, well, God, I'm a divorcee. It's been taken care of. Dad, I, I, God, I'm a single mom. It's been taken care of. God, 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 I'm a drug addict. He said, family, didn't you just hear me? It's been taken care of. Lord, I cheated on my... It's been taken care of. God, I'm an It's been... I don't know what your mess is, but whatever your mess is, God says, all you got to do is take me by the hand, jump in here with me, and we are going to paradise forever, forever. And ever, and ever, last but not least, that app that I had on my phone, <coughs> my fitness pal, it's interesting that when you finish a day log, at the bottom it has a blue button. You push the button, and when you push the button of completing a day of staying under your calories and working out really well that day, it says something to you. It says, congratulations for finish this, finishing this day. In five weeks, this is what your weight is going to be. And I'm like, wow, I ain't seen that weight in a minute. <laughs> but the app is just trying to motivate me to keep on going because based on the way you're going to look like when you get to the end, just keep going. There's no reason to give up now. Do you know what you're going to look like? How fine you're going to be? How fly you're going to be? So the reason why that Jesus Christ 
climbed up Golgotha's hill and he was hung him high and they stretched him wide and then he gave up the ghost by dropping his neck in the locks of his jaws and, 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 and then on the third day he got up from the grave and then he's coming back again and he's pointing. It's a point to the fact that the app of heaven is telling us keep on going because when you keep going I just want you to know is this is what you're going to look like if you continue, if you continue if you continue in him.